Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for downloading. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Megan Strand. Hello! And Dane Christensen. How there. And we are the Naked Marketers, and uh, we have a great show for you today. It's sort of a, it's sort of a, uh, how do we say it, impromptu? <laughs> would that be, Dane, how would you call, what would you call this show? No, this is guerrilla um, podcasting, gorilla. man. It is Hello. totally guerrilla podcasting. Yeah, this is kind of uh, where you say, wait, our, our guest backed out. Uh, who do we know? And you just start rapid firing. And, and it's actually a great way to go because, you know, it's something we could do all the time, I think. Just say like, okay. And it's sort of like spin the bottle or whatever. And you just, who's sitting at their desk and bored right now, who's really smart, really engaging, and has a lot of fascinating information to share. And as a result, we found one of those people. We lucked out. We found one of those people. We did. So, yeah. those, we did totally luck out. And, uh, it's an exciting and, show. It- <laughs> It was exciting for us. That's, that's right. That's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. Uh, yeah, so we've got a great interview coming up a little bit later. Uh, we are going to be talking to uh, the good Mr. Jake Poignier from Boom Vang Creative. Jake is a professional copywriter, been in the business for uh, decades, decades now. And uh, he's going to share with us some uh, tips and tricks on on getting your uh, cre- creating the best copy you can and why it's important to use the professional people. Uh, when you're working on your big marketing project. So we have a great discussion with Jake. Uh, looking forward to that coming up. For now, we have uh, we have the news. What do we have to talk about this week, Megan? Oh, I get to lead it yeah, off. Yeah, why don't you? Um, I think the first thing we were going to talk about was this great uh, article on Outspoken Media on social, on social media, 10 Reasons You Should Run Like Hell from Social Media. Um, and really the author is a proponent of social media, but it's one of those, um, here are reasons maybe you, you're not suited for social media. And I think it actually does a really good job. Um, things like you have no social skills, you have no sense of humor and can't handle criticism. Uh, you forget about it in the morning. Openness is a problem for you. You're only there to sell. Uh, let's see what else. Well, I don't want to talk about number seven cause that leads into our next pathetic story so i'll leave that i'll save that one um i the one i like the most on this list is you think twitter is a social media strategy and i i realize we're probably preaching to the choir but this is something we at the naked marketers talk about a lot social media is not a strategy it's merely a channel and a tool for implementing a good marketing strategy it's another component of it so um you know this it's not a strategy in and of itself and they, and they uh, use a good metaphor here. You don't buy a hammer and expect the house to come with it. You create a blueprint, <laughs> allocate the other resources you'll need for the job, and you spend the time to build out what you're looking for. That's so, right. Yeah, well, that's a great point. And I think, you know, as we talk to people more and more, and I, th- you know, the bigger the company, <laughs> the more I think you tend to see things like this. I think the one thing they don't have, she doesn't have in here, I, f- I feel like it's a she, I don't even know. No, it is. It is by They're Lisa. all women. Okay. Yeah, I don't. No, it's Lisa. Yeah. Lisa Barone uh, wrote yeah. this. Um, but I was going to say, and that's why it's so smart. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I th- think the thing that she misses in here, uh, maybe I'm not seeing it right out, but I sort of expect to see it as its own little number. Is just that you want to have control over everything that's said about you. So that's you know something we. Well, about. yeah. I mean, number four, openness is a problem for you. Is kind of along those lines. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, and so was, you have no sense of humor and can't handle criticism. I think it's kind yeah. of, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of you can kind of break out what you're saying, and and I think some of the ways that they have, but. And you I know, think, it, oh, go ahead, Dave. 
I was just going to say, just you know, it's been interesting to see, but it's, uh, and I think it'll continue to be, you know, interesting to see what which companies adopt social media strategies and do them well. Which ones, you know, who holds out and why, and and that whole notion of, um, and and you know, our conversation with Jake gets into this a little bit, but controlling the message and and uh, you know, uh, um, approval uh, of ad copy and you know, sort of the the, the old line of thinking about um, being pretty protective and careful about what is said about you. Um, you, you know, I mean, I think all three of us and, and anybody really who's in the social media game will say, well, gosh, you know, if you don't get in the game, it, it kind of doesn't matter. Like those, those concerns don't matter because you are being talked about. It exactly. is happening. You know, you can't control it in the way you wish you probably could, but it's going to happen whether you're in the game or not. It's just happening. Well, the reason I like this article is I think this could be a really good tool when you're working with some people that are a little bit hesitant to show them and share with them some of, you know, this article as a way of sort of making light of people may then see what they're doing when you show them something like this, because it kind of makes you look like an over controlling freak if you, (laughs) I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. Have you guys read the um, just in the in terms of contrast on the dark side of an open culture? Did you guys catch any of the Adobe Apple kerfuffle this week? Uh, between nope. the, the uh, Adobe evangelists um, writing about, uh, let, let's see, I think it's Lee Brimlow wrote on his, on his blog, on the Adobe blog, the Adobe Flash blog. Uh, you know, this week, I mean, this is kind of an Apple-heavy show, so we'll talk more about Apple <laughs> sorry, next week. But sorry this week, in advance. <laughs> this week, uh, you know, it was a, there was a lot of stuff going on with Apple. Um, this week, they, they uh, announced uh, that they gave out a developer preview of iPhone OS 4. And there's lots of great stuff in there uh, and some not-so-great stuff. One of, the, one of the bits of not-so-great stuff is a new piece of legal language that says uh, no uh, app on the iPhone can be uh, will be uh, allowed in the App Store and allowed on the iPhone if it is from a cross compiler or compiled from a language that is not approved and and uh, why is this bit of geekiness appropriate? Well, because Flash uh, Adobe in in uh, uh, Creative Suite CS5, which is coming out uh, later this year, uh, has a tool for taking Flash applications and converting them or cross-compiling them into Mm -hmm. iPhone apps, which you can then sell on the store right now. Well, as of iPhone OS 4, that is no longer allowed. So if you're Adobe... You're mad. You just took it because, uh, you know, you've spent a lot of time building this tool, beta testing this tool, and effective this summer... This tool will mean absolutely nothing. It will be a, a, a lead balloon. Now, it's it's just one tool in the whole suite, so that's a whole other story. Lee Brimlau is a Flash evangelist, and he wrote on his blog, and I'm going to read a little bit of it because I think it's, uh, it's interesting in this discussion of transparency. Uh, personally, I will not be giving Apple another cent of my money until there's a leadership change over there. I've already moved most of my book, music, and video purchases to Amazon, and I will continue to look elsewhere. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting you do the same, and I'm also not trying to organize some kind of a boycott. Me deciding not to give money to Apple is not going to do anything to their bottom line, but this is equivalent to me walking into Macy's to buy a new wallet, and the salesperson spits in my face. Chances are I won't be buying my wallets at Macy's anymore no matter how much I like them. Now, let me put aside my role as an official representative of Adobe for a moment, as I would look to make it clear what is going on through my mind at the moment. Go screw yourself, Apple. Comments are disabled, as I am not interested in hearing 
from the Cupertino comment spam bots. Oh. Now, I, what is your take on that kind of a that kind of a post from an evangelist of Adobe to another company? That doesn't strike me as so smart. Well, I mean, it's the it's the I get what he's of, saying, but I yeah. mean, you're, you're talking about Apple here, dude. I mean, and I know you're pissed, and I, I don't know, I well, just don't know that that's the most effective way to have a conversation about your frustration with their, you know, their new requirements. I don't know. It's yeah. The, well, it, and I think when you're using the media or blogs or media or blogs, but um, you know, you're trying to to, to represent a, a company. Yeah, I think that I think that there's a bit of pettiness, uh, like an air of pettiness, at least in what he's saying, in my opinion, because I don't know. I mean, it's sort of uh, what, what people don't like is the the shock of you know the decision being made without the appearance of negotiation or something like oh you know here's the new blanket way we're moving forward, and and then you kind of right. have your immediate response to that if you're a, a you know, a third-party partner or a competitor or whatever that, okay, wait a minute, this smacks of something. But I don't know, you know, I mean, you can't kind of take the day after Steve Jobs makes an announcement and say, you know, I'm going to be real petty about this because... I don't even think it's petty. I just think it's not strategically well, smart. It's probably <laughs> not petty. It, it just has an air of pettiness. Yeah. It seems a little jerkish, yes. I don't know, Peter. Well, what do you it's, think? well it's you one of those things that it's. I, 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 you know, I'm in favor. I disagree with with what he said and how he said it, but I am in favor of him being able to say it, and and I, I think that it was, you know personally, strategically unsound of him to say it this way. There are a lot of people who, you know, really question the role of the evangelist at any company. And, uh, and, and I don't think he did his own credibility any good um, right. by doing this. Now, uh, it's on an Adobe branded blog. It's on the Adobe Flash right. blog. And that's, that's an unfortunate place to put these sorts of, of name-calling insults. Well, yeah, like the, one of the most successful companies in the world right now will not receive another dime from me, yeah. the evangelist for this company, on yeah. the corporate-branded blog. And the, the bigger problem, I think, is, down for him. is it, doesn't, it, it doesn't take into account Adobe's rather um, loose uh, relationship with this exact same sort of behavior in the past. It's a bit of the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, Adobe has had the same ham-handed legal uh, tactics for, for Flash and, mm. and uh, development uh, over the last, uh, you know, decade, too. So uh, I think that's unfortunate. But, um, but it gets back to this article that we were talking about, uh, which is you got to be, um, you know, if you don't have somebody who has a sense of humor and you don't have somebody who can actually write a sane response to complicated political and legal issues, mm -hmm. uh, then then maybe they're not the person to fit that that blogger or customer service representative or, God forbid, evangelist role at the company. Uh, and that's really what we're saying. So it's a matter of choosing the voices, uh, you know, critically and and. Uh, sanely. This well, I think I, th I was just going to say I think it's a perfect segue into the next thing we were going to talk about. Um, and and this goes back to something that I learned very early on in my career. Thank goodness that if you don't want other people to know what you're saying about them, really, you should never put something like that in writing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in this case, it's not relevant. He did want them to know, but um, similarly with voicemail messages. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, these does are somebody the best. Wanna, does somebody want to talk about Evest? Because I want you to. I don't want to talk about it. I think Peter oh, should talk about on. it. Well, I just think it's a created that awesome <laughs> segue. I don't think crafted the perfect intro story. All right. Well, okay. So Scott Evest. Scott Jordan is the uh, is CEO of Scott Evest. They're a technical clothing company. If you have a lot of gadgets that are heavy and you wear them in many pockets, or you want more pockets in which to wear them, which who doesn't? Seriously. <laughs> then you need to go to Scotty Vest because, you know, uh, they they make clothes that would help you. Now, <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, point is this. Uh, the wrong person uh, got in a, <laughs> in a relationship with Scotty Vest as a customer. His name's Lauren Feldman, and he is uh, a, a proprietor of 1938 Media. They make video for the web. And uh, he is uh, a very outspoken blogger. He's been around for a long, long time. And, uh, and, and he's, he's fantastic to read. He's very entertaining to read and is very informative. And he happened to buy some Scotty Vest pants and they failed. The pants broke. And Lauren, uh, wrote on his blog that the pants failed. So, so, uh, Scott Jordan, unfortunately, uh, got on, uh, got on his own platform and left a message for Lauren Feldman, uh, calling him a douche, calling his wife a douchette. <laughs> repeatedly uh, and calling him fat and that's why the pants failed so this is the ceo of this company <sighs> calling a customer a fat douche smart <laughs> we're gonna boil it down that's what happened so if we and sort he goes of zoom on out and on and on about on, i mean he just is rambling he and, does and you know what it reminds me of you guys in a very very loose fashion you, you know because what? Okay, I'll tell you. It kind of reminds me of, uh, let's say, a young Hollywood starlet, uh, maybe, at a party in Hollywood, let's just say, doing something dumb, and somebody there has a little video camera, it gets captured, it gets posted, and they blame the person with the camera. You know, it's it's one of these sort of sticky, messy, um, gee, we used to have a lot more control over, you know, what happened and, and, and the media and, and what got let out. And now, you know, in, in, in Hollywood, for instance, you know, I mean, it's really very difficult for these people to get away with what they used to get, be able to get away with because of social media and because of, um, you know, technology and cameras and all that kind of thing. Similarly, so very loosely similarly, uh, companies, I think, um, are really <laughs> struggling with the fact that, um, the message is is so out of their control in some places. And, and so this sort of response, this angry, I'm going to go after the customer and the guy that made a comment about my product on his blog in, in just a terrible way. I, I think it was a Virgin Atlantic flight, a Virgin America or whatever, that um, LA to New York, what, a month ago, where they ended up on the tarmac. They got redirected from JFK to somewhere upstate uh, and had to sit there for hours. And the owner of a social media company was uh, on that plane <laughs> blogging the entire time. Yeah. And the worse it got, the more it was like, oops. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's so, I guess, so, so the very loose thing here is like companies need to sort of have that sense that, you know, what we do can really get out there. We don't know if this customer has big sway or, you know, 10,000 Twitter followers or has his own personal blog. We don't know that when they come into the store and they're upset or, you know, they're trying to they're, – they're having bad customer service experience. The same you way, you know, Hollywood star doesn't know who at the party, you know, might take a video and, or a picture and throw it up on the web. 
I'm just, I'm sorry, but who does that? I can't imagine calling, calling anybody I know. I guarantee you this isn't the only time it's happened. Of course not. If I am that pissed off at somebody, I'm going to go, I need to go figure it out. Like if I want to pick up the phone and call them a douchebag, I'm sorry. I just cannot see myself ever, ever doing that. Even if I really, really wanted to, that just, now, I, I don't know Scott uh, Jordan's response. I mean, he may he may say, oh, we're good friends and and we, um, you know, we. Oh, that was uh, Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, I I was saying it in jest. I would was you, saying would it in call, jest would because. Would you call Dane and call him a douchebag and his wife a any, douchebag? Anytime. Not his wife. I know <laughs> his wife. If he hires wife, a good PR agency, he may do exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I think well, a good PR firm would say, oh, no, I was joking. Because I you know what the, the response is? Let funny. me tell you what the response is. The response is, here, Lauren Feldman, here is a gross of new pants in all sizes. Try on the 50 pair that you want and keep them all. Sell them to your friends, whatever. Give him what he wants uh, and don't put demands on his response to get his money. But this is this is the, uh, the latest quote um, from Lauren Feldman that Scott Jordan apparently demanded, quote, demanded I take down all my blog posts and negative product reviews across the internet as conditions for making amends and refunding money for the pants. Yeah. Oh, These are the right, kinds that's... of things that you never know if, you know, CNBC or, or you know, whatever, CNN right. are going to just pick up on a slow news day and say, a customer of Scott Evest, who also is a blogger, blah, 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 you, you know, yeah. and play a little clip it's... and all of a sudden you've really done your brand some damage. Exactly. And you look like an idiot. I'm so sorry. That, that's that... all I could think of when I heard that voicemail. Like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> and it goes back to the main point of this, uh, which was the original article uh, that is, you know, just maybe – your CEO is not the right voice for <laughs> right. Your, for this particular tool. That's what we're saying. All right. So we've right, talked. We've totally. Up, but... We we now have to talk about Tiger Woods. This ad is too good. Please, somebody talk about this. Dane, ad. this is you because you've got a good you've got a good follow up quote. This to is it, great. Yeah, you know, I my introduction to this ad was on one of my favorite blogs of all time, Video Gum. Um, I don't know who all reads that one, but I like it quite a bit. Uh, and uh, just really just funny commentary on on uh, TV and movies and commercials and all kinds of things. So uh, <laughs> the ad, I, I don't know. I mean, since it's a podcast and we can't really play the ad, let's just assume folks have seen that it's... Um, we'll link to it, too. Yeah, we'll link to it. It's Tiger Woods in black and white with this... Uh, you had a description of his face. Sad and sorry, P- wasn't no, it? Pathetic oh, looking. he looks bad. Just a he pathetic looks looking face. Yeah, you just... Yeah. This guy's been beaten up. You can tell. I don't know if they... I don't know. Put can some, you imagine being the video person shooting this? Just look really pathetic. Yeah, I know. Stand there I know. and look pathetic. I, I, yeah, like Austin Powers, you, you know, video shoot... <laughs> I don't know how they normally do with models. Like, ah, give me sexy. Give me tiger. Ah, give me yeah. a, you know, <laughs> Now you're case, angry. Give me pathetic. No, give me, <laughs> give me your dog just died. No, give me, give me, you've really disappointed your dead father, for instance, because that's <laughs> what this is. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line of this particular ad. And, um, I, so, yeah, a little, little something from Gabe on Video Gum says, I recognize the discrepancy between his squeaky clean media image and his squeaky gross sexual obsessions. And we do live in America where the cycle of despair and redemption must constantly be renewed. But this, yuck. Aligning the dissolution of one's marriage with the world's most recognizable sportswear brands as a tool for selling more breathable heat tech tees is one thing. 
one miserable thing that would be a mistake, but invoking the memory of one's dead father as a limp-wristed attempt to turn the entire fiasco into a personal growth opportunity? Uh, just very... He <laughs> <laughs> goes on. I don't know. You know, it's not like it's not... It's not like it's a completely ineffective, forgettable ad. And, you know, so I don't know if that's maybe the playbook here, but I don't see it as... Oh, good idea. I think it was actually well received. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just You think you think the ad was well received? Is that what I, the, I mean I, I am I am basing that on practically nothing. I just have this weird sense that people thought it was classy. You know, it the the best line I think of Gabe's, he actually leads with the punchline, which is, look, I think that I am like many Americans in that I don't care about Tiger Woods pants. <laughs> right. I you know, the only thing I have to say is that you know, the apparently reaction is mixed. Weird and creepy seem to be, be the prevailing sentiments, according to the Washington Post. But I have to say, like, if you're Nike and you're, you know, need to put something on the air before the Masters, what are you going to put on? Just a normal Tiger Woods is a complete stud at golf sort of commercial? I mean, you have to, you have to do something. You know who right? this was? Was this uh, Wyden and Kennedy, perhaps? I don't know who has the Nike. I mean, Wyden does a whole lot of Nike. I wonder. The Nike TV? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, think about it. What else? You have to do something different. It can't just be... No, you're right. You have to do something different. So. And this is not uh, not forgettable. I mean, this is this is going to stick with you a little bit. And I, and I think, you know, the, the race for sort of competition, you know, with, with brands today, a lot of brands, I think, are willing, at times at least, to gamble with the ad that's going to be talked about outside of when it's seen, right. you know, and that's, that's what happens here. So, you know, I don't know that anybody's damaged here. You know what I mean? Like this, well, it is, it is white Kennedy, by the way. No. Is it? No. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, okay. No. Well, um, well, yeah. The, okay. What's, what's next? What's next? Okay. This is, so speaking of another advertising let's icon. Let's talk about controversial because I think we're going to have a little bit to say about this. So, um, I found this, uh, Retire Ronald campaign and the, hold on, I want to get it right. The Corporate Accountability International, this, I think their nonprofit organization, is launching a campaign to retire Ronald McDonald because they say, for nearly 50 years, no one has been better at hooking kids on unhealthy foods, spurring an epidemic of diet related disease. Ronald deserves a break and so do we. So they have this whole, you know, sign the card and wish Ronald a speedy retirement. They literally have an entire website called retireronalds.org. Um, and, you know, they've made the correlation between Ronald McDonald and Joe Camel saying the reason that kids are um, obese in this country and eating fast food is because of Ronald McDonald, essentially. And I guess I, I am not a proponent of children eating fast food. I know that childhood obesity is a huge epidemic in our country. I just don't know that Ronald McDonald per se is the reason for that. And I don't think it's fair to make a correlation between Joe Camel and Ronald McDonald. I just, I don't, I think it's a stretch. And my biggest problem with it, it has to do with Ronald McDonald house, which is a fabulous organization that I, I don't think gets a whole lot of funding from McDonald's, if any. Um, and, you know, I guess that's my biggest problem with it. So and, and I, I know you had an opinion there. on this, but it's just, yeah. Well, no, I mean, my, my opinion somewhat parallels. And I think it's, you know, I think from McDonald's perspective, if if uh, it was just a case of um, 
well, okay, so they want us to get rid of this character. Um, you know what? This character really doesn't sell that many hamburgers or Happy Meals. Uh, we're going to make plenty of money without him. But they've already invested so much, you know, which is going to be – it's just a kind of a cost issue, I think, in a lot of, you know – all of the the places that he shows up and then charities which is kind of what they've done with the character um because they've needed to i mean it's not the healthiest place and they have a reputation of uh you know um getting kids uh kind of targeting um uh kids with unhealthy food which um 20 years ago wasn't i mean it was like yep Okay, so that's what it is. Maybe it's there the wasn't... playgrounds that are targeting kids in McDonald's. Well but, well, but we didn't have the obesity problem back then. So it was like, you know, people were willing to just accept that like, yeah, we don't eat McDonald's every day, every meal. We get that they're targeting our kids. Our kids love it, so we take them there, but we take them there occasionally. And, you know, it's not like this big conspiracy out to, to ruin our lives. But, you know, when people get this sort of mentality that like, okay, no, there's, you know, there's something going on. What do we do? And this is, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of this kind of a reaction, regardless of the product um, and the advertising, to say that, you know, somehow it's so powerful, like it has so much control over you um, that, that you have to attack the advertising. I, I just hate that just from, from, from the get-go. I don't really like that, you know. I just don't like that approach. Peter, what do you think? Well, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a... It's a bit disingenuous to put Ronald McDonald at the same chair as as Joe Camel and the Marlboro, and the Marlboro Man. Man. You know, I, I'm I didn't find uh, Spuds McKenzie uh, much of an <laughs> offensive character myself, but apparently they've got him sitting at the table too. I, you know, I think it's um, I, I it, once again I I understand the reaction. I'm in favor of their um, uh, of their ability to do this. I think it's in the end ineffective um, because I just don't feel like people associate Ronald McDonald as the source of the of the trouble. I think the general yeah. public may find, you know, the general public who doesn't eat at McDonald's and has a problem with their, uh, you know, with the food, the Food Inc. Uh, public, right? Uh, you know, doesn't see Ronald McDonald as the problem. The problem no. is the food. <laughs> well, and, if, and, and I'll tell you right now, if you were going to go after my kids, if you were going to say, hey, we need a strategy to keep Dan Christensen's kids, oh, oh, they, we don't want them to want McDonald's, what should we do? Then take the toys out of the Happy Meals. Exactly. That is their number one. I'll buy those kids a Happy Meal and they won't eat it because they want the toy. And I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like you have to say, eat your food, but then I'm catching myself saying, that's not food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it's better you don't eat it. <laughs> Well, let's, let's go get some carrots and celery. And yeah, I, I think that's the that's the real issue. And I, I don't I also don't think I mean, I think this is this in particular is a market problem. Right. I mean, there are um, there is sort of this is this the, the era of Starbucks. And, and you can sort of see that McDonald's is fragmented. Uh, you know, you drive down the street and on one side you have the old style kind of 1955 Starbucks of the bright yellow and orange and red. And, you know, on the other side of the street is a McDonald's that is, uh, that looks like a Starbucks. It's all muted green and tan and it's, it, and there are no arches anywhere. It looks, you know, the, the font is, is now Helvetica on this new kind of branding style of these restaurants. And I think that's just another sign that McDonald's doesn't really know who their audience is. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Ronald McDonald may be on his way out, not as a result of people angry that M Ronald McDonald, the icon markets, you know, kids food to kids, 
Uh, and that really is the bigger issue, right? I mean, McDonald's had or has kids products. They might not be healthy, but they are kids product. They're designed for kids. The Happy Meal looks like it's a kid product. It's designed for children. And uh, Joe Camel, the problem with Joe Camel was it was not a kid's product. And it was being marketed and it was allegedly toward children, children illegally. This, those are two totally different things. Yeah. So well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I when I was a kid, you know what I loved? I loved candy cigarettes. That seemed, <laughs> doesn't that seem like the craziest? Like if you were to show up today and say, "Hey, you know what we need? We need uh, let's just say we need uh, we need a Budweiser for children." <laughs> Gummy, bu- gummy bud. <laughs> You'd never get away with that today. No, you wouldn't. But you know, um, at the same so- time, when I was a kid, I loved my, uh, you know, my full-sized uh, forty-five water gun. Oh, I mean, by come the way, on. I never grew up. Smoking. They still have those. Yeah, I know, and I would still love them. And you probably <laughs> will kill. People. And yet, I have never actually, uh, I've never actually raised <laughs> a gun in anger. All so, right. So no. anyway, I, I think this is kind of a. a campaign fraught with a whole lot of nothing and, and i'm you know i agree get somebody attention but i love that these people have the right to say it that's okay. great i'll give you that. all right what's next um you know i actually think we should talk about your new toy oh okay so i got this new toy and we sort of I, I, we knew it was coming the ipad we knew hey <laughs> oh no really <laughs> really come on all right we knew it was coming. Uh, the iPad uh, was launched on Saturday the, the 3rd. I have had it for a week now and have been using it daily. Have have not. It actually hasn't left my hands. Do you sleep with it? Uh, well, I sleep next to it, very close. I leave it on a soothing, <laughs> you know, that's not good for you. A soothing video uh, that plays throughout the night of ya- y- Yanni. Video of you sleeping from the night before. <laughs> yeah, it's a time delay. Uh, I, I, uh, I quite like it. I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of hand wringing right now about what, what the platform does and, and, um, that it's a big iPod touch. And, and let me assure you, in my opinion, this is not an iPod touch. Uh, those who say it's an iPod touch haven't, haven't really given it the, the, um, uh, the, the run through. I think it's a, um, it is an extremely powerful and nimble computer, uh, and, and, you know, to take a phrase from Andy Anatko at the Chicago Sun-Times, it's the first really, the first new computer we've seen in 25 years. Um, and and that's, a, that's a, it's saying a lot. Um, I, I think the real secret to it is, is one that, that, uh, that is still to be unveiled and, and will kind of be evolving over time, which is the, the developer community. I mean, if, if Apple can really make good on, on keeping developers interested, then the apps that come out, you know, next week and next month and next year are, are what's really going to make this device, um, you know, incredible. For me, there are some apps that I have downloaded that have already changed my workflow and, and allow me to capture and create content digitally um, in, in a much more efficient way than, than, um, uh, than I ever have been able to do in the past. And that, that is a very powerful thing, seeing as it's only been out for a week. And these apps, the developers that were developing these apps, didn't even have a shipping unit to test it on. Uh, you know, it says a lot about the, the agility of the platform. So I really like that. There's a lot I don't like about it. I'm working on a review that's, uh, that I'm going to put up on my website, um, and we'll link to... Um, oh, cool. 
uh, in the next couple of days, um, and uh, and we'll write up some of those thoughts. But so far, it's it's very powerful, and and I am really enjoying it, and and I'm enjoying it in a way. You know, the the punditry has said this is such a content consumption device. You're going to watch your videos on it. You're going to uh, read your books on it. You're going to do whatever it is you do on it. You're going to take in data on it, and I I really see that as as you know I'm bullish on that, but but I'm just as bullish on on the ability of this device to allow you to create and to allow professionals to take to to create information on this and share it with others as efficiently as um, um, you know as they ever have been able to in the past i'm i think it's a a really exciting evolution yay Uh, so we're so glad you're the early adopter of the group peter so (laughs) bleeding bleeding edge the painful (laughs) bleeding edge but you know that that leads us to the next story which is you know some of the early um early uh Marketing folks are coming out, you know, with it, or, and, and media types are coming out saying this is, you know, this is not the device that's going to save the world. And I, you know, I certainly don't think it's going to save the media world. Uh, you know, AdAge is, uh, writes that, you know, iPad has a lot of sizzle and, uh, and no, no strategy, uh, all sizzle, no steak. And, and that's, you know, I think it would be, it's important to, to recognize that. Um, When's the last time AdAge did a computer review? It, well, kind of there thing, you go. Right. I mean, that's a that's a sign of the times. Right. I mean, but but, you know, part of it is because the big thing and I downloaded the first couple of apps uh, on this that I downloaded were the big magazines. This was supposed to save the print and advertising industry. So what did I download? The first big three magazines, Time Magazine, GQ Magazine and Popular Science. Uh, Time Magazine uh, took the most conservative approach, I think, of of the three. It's essentially a, a rejiggered PDF. Um, GQ magazine took kind of a hybrid approach and interesting if you hold the device portrait orientation you get a a really fluid um, kind of reading experience if you turn it landscape you get essentially the PDF of of a two-page spread side by side which is great particularly for the designers who spent who have spent a lot of time really designing the magazine you get to see right. exactly what you get in the magazine so you have the choice uh, and then popular science boy those... I think there's a lot of value to that just my two bits there no I to- I actually I, I really agree I mean there's something especially if you're trying to help people make a transition yeah. into digital media uh, and then popular science those guys uh, man hats off. Their, their implementation of this is really as minority report as you can get right now, particularly in the first week of this launch. It was a, a pleasure getting lost in this magazine, and it, it seemed to have the best balance of, of usability, readability, and visual enhancement that really makes it feel like I, I needed to be reading this. There's no way I could get this experience not on the iPad. You know, I, there, it just was that good. That's and cool. then, and then, Peter, what would you say to the person who says, "You know, I really only want this to play games and watch movies"? Great, yeah. That's it. Is you know, I, as a gaming device, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, games and and uh, so I I have uh, a, a number of games. Uh, the uh, you know, and I, again, I don't want to belabor the this sort of mini review, but games like Mirror's Edge from Electronic Arts, which if you if you are a gamer at all, you you may have heard about Mirror's Edge for the Xbox, which was a stunning kind of um, very stark uh, um, and wonderful trip through kind of the dystopian future uh, as a, a parkour runner. Uh, and this, they've, they've translated this game really frenetically 
to the iPad in such a good way. I mean, it's it is a a, a terrific uh, racing game, and it's it's really easy to get engrossed in, in it. The performance is great, not a lag at all. Uh, but you know, I'm also a Sudoku and crossword puzzle guy, and so yeah, I was going to say even the even the like the low tech games. Yeah. I, I went into the Apple Store and, and held one for a little bit and played uh, played around with it, and I played um, uh, is it Flight Control? Yeah, is that what it's called? yeah, yeah. Which which you would think oh, so okay, so uh, <laughs> the same thing but bigger, right? Whatever. It was actually really cool. It's I mean, really they, cool. There's, they made use of the space on that. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, that space, you cannot underestimate the power of having that space in your hands. I mean, even the just the apps that ship with the iPad, being able to hold the New York Times website in your hands, being able to hold, you know, I spend a lot of time on Wired uh, magazine on the website, and, and being able to interact with it, you know, with your fingertips, it changes the experience. And I think as developers, you know, and designers... Uh, become more comfortable with that. Uh, we're going to see a lot of great stuff out of this. So it's going to get cooler. It's going to get very cool. The the you know I also downloaded. They've been talking a lot about the Marvel Comics app, and it is uh, you know I haven't read comments comics since I was fifteen. You know I've read the the Watchmen and some of the big uh, uh, kind of graphic novels, but I I downloaded a couple of uh, a couple of um, uh, Marvel comics, and and boy this thing. It's easy to get sucked in. I mean, they, it creates essentially animated storyboards, uh, which That's is exciting. It was I didn't know about that. Really, That's very cool. Really I, powerful. I just, I just introduced comics to my seven-year-old this past week. Actually, the Easter Bunny did. The, the, so the Easter Bunny initiated this, but <laughs> but the little comic book store um, that I think the Easter Bunny shops at had a fifty uh, percent off sale this weekend. Yeah, Man, we we because I guess Marvel bought Disney. I didn't know, or Disney bought Marvel. Sorry, Disney bought and, Marvel. That's right. Yeah, so there are all these you know for a seven-year-old. Um, anyway, I'm, so I'm, I'm enjoying him. I'm going back through. I'm like, oh, I used to love the Uncle Scrooge and Huey, Dewey, Louie. And like, sure. like there's still, you know, they're, they're still, um, some of those they're still doing. And anyway, so I think you guys cool are stuff. dating yourselves at this point. Yeah. And now we're just <laughs> way off target. We are way off target, but I want to yeah, say I'm one more that. thing because Sorry about that. a fault. lot of what people have been talking about is the book reading experience on this, particularly as compared to the Kindle. And I think this is something I'm, I'm excited to explore right now. The iPad is the only reader I believe that will allow you to read all three major stores. So the iBook store from Apple, the Kindle store, the app that, that Amazon has released, the Kindle app, it allows you to access your Kindle library, buy books. You have to buy books through the website, but to take books into your device uh, and the uh, Barnes Noble e-reader store to be able to read all of your your collection of books from any of these stores. This is the only device that will allow you to do it. You, you know um, what I used to call uh, that? Um, I, I had a term for it called competitive advantage. Just yeah. kidding, not my term. But yeah, I was going to say you made that you made that up in 1930. <laughs> I invented this term yeah. once upon a time in economics. Right? Um, yeah, competitive advantage, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I would because you know, I mean, there's something I I had the Kindle. I was a huge fan of the Kindle. Yeah, you were. Uh, and I was very excited to get rid of the Kindle because, as great as it was, it was also there were a lot of limiting factors. And the Amazon uh, app on the iPad is stellar. It is absolutely stellar. Hats off to Amazon for delivering a platform uh, that really extends across all these devices. It is so, it, it, if I were a Kindle Amazon fan and I didn't have one of these devices, I would choose the iPad hands down if all I wanted to do was read books because it's such a great experience. Uh, and finally, the, uh, the Netflix uh, has come out with a, an app that allows you to stream 
your Netflix uh, on-demand content directly to the iPad is really killer. Oh, that's cool. The only thing missing at this point is Hulu. ABC.com has come out with a great one, um, and Netflix. And so, you know, I think Hulu has is having some real political challenges, and that's unfortunate because this is this is another great way to watch ad-inserted television. Mm-hmm. Uh, on on another device and and i think where kindle has really gotten that and they've said we're going to be everywhere you can read books you're going to read amazon books nbc has not nbc is just floundering and they can't figure out how to get over that hump of we want to be everywhere we want our ads to be everywhere and um and they don't know how to make that turn um last but certainly not least we talk about we talked about square uh, last week, the right. uh, application allows you to take credit card payments uh, directly on your iPhone. They have not yet released the iPhone app out of beta, but the iPad app was launched on day one. And so now I can take credit card payments from God knows who uh, that would want to give me their credit card number. But I can do it on my iPad, and that seems really liberating for some reason. <laughs> So that's it. That's the mini review of the iPad. And, Thank you, and, Peter. And, uh, I'm, uh, so look for, I'll, I'll be putting lots of words down uh, over the coming week. For our, our uh, weekly interview here, we have with us one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite people who I never talked to. This is, this is, you know, sort of, it's sort of how I feel about, um, you know, people like Paul Rudd, the actor, you know, I feel like if he only knew me, we would be awesome drinking buddies. <laughs> Except for the difference here is I actually know this guy. I still don't talk to him enough. His name is Jake Poignier of Boom Vang Creative Group. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you. You're a hero for jumping in uh, jumping in at the last minute um, and uh, and talking with us today. We're talking about uh, publishing. Jake, you are a uh, – how would you classify yourself? I think of you as a professional writer, uh, but uh, what do you do? What is your overall service here? I guess that uh, I generalize it to corporate copywriting. That kind of defines uh, defines it the best because I don't do a lot of uh, of creative stuff, which a lot of people focus on. I'm I'm not a novelist. Um, I focus really on business communications in all of its different uh, different forms, whether it's print or uh, web or video, radio. I've pretty much worked in uh, in every different format and. Uh, that's uh, that's how I do it. So and can I can I jump in here and just say how impressive that is to me? Like just because I've had to, uh, you know, I mean I've had to either come up with or work with people who, um, it's such a hard thing to do, and, and it's I think I think pretty underappreciated in the creative writing community that you were referring to. Um, that uh, you know somebody who really can um, you know uh, really work within the confines of you know, the corporate environment. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Cause I just think that, I, I think that, uh, there's a whole lot to appreciate about somebody who can really commit themselves to doing this well. What? Oh, done well, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I've got friends that focus only on magazine writing, for example, and that's all well and good, but you're doing a lot of fishing and not a lot of catching. Whereas if you focus on business, the good thing about it is that they're, Tons of companies out there that need help. Oh yeah, there are, and a and lot again, that don't know they need help. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, and they come to me with a broken uh, whatever. <laughs> well, and then you know that's that's sort of the the the, the crux of what I want to uh, what I want to start with here, which is this this idea that um, you know. Uh, 
when you when you're a small business, and I, I hear this a lot from from you know clients, small to medium sized businesses who who really don't have the resources to um, you know to hire out for everything they want to do, and yet. And so they take it on themselves to say, you know, oh, I, I can write the website copy. I'll just get that done. Um, and, and one of two things happen. Either it doesn't get done or it doesn't get done well. Uh, and, and so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what kinds of, of clients you look for and, and what ki- how you go about working with the clients and why somebody might want to hire a professional business writer. Well, I, I think the metaphor that I'll retreat into is uh, one: if you've worked with graphic designers, you've heard them refer to layout grout. Sure. Yeah. You guys familiar with that expression? <laughs> I've never. Well, heard why don't you? Why don't you go ahead I and describe it? I have not it. either, and I've worked with lots of graphic designers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lay, layout grout is the kind of the the dirty term for the fact that people are looking at the pictures and illustrations and and not reading the copy. Aha. Uh-huh. So. Essentially, it's the the words that fill the page, uh-huh. um, and I think a lot of people kind of treat it that way. Where if uh, you know, as long as there's text there, that we're we're good for the moment, um, and uh, you know, as long as it's somebody who writes better than you do, that we're we're good for the for the moment. Um, I think that the the trick comes when there's that moment of recognition that either somebody says something or uh, you're not getting the results that you want or things like that. Um, But the problem is that most people are reluctant to tell you that your copy stinks. And um, some people know enough to know that it's inadequate. Other people don't know and they think, oh, well, this is good enough. Um, and, uh, so that's kind of where, uh, that's where the, the, the moment of recognition that something is inadequate is, in, is important. Um, now one of the, one of my best, or my, I'm going to say the, the best salespeople that I have working for me happen to be graphic designers that when they're pitching a project to somebody, they, they will be upfront and say, gosh, you know, what you've got here is not good enough. Um, and it really can be said better and can be said with more impact. Uh, it can be much punchier, more powerful, more professional, all that. So I actually, you know, while I joke about uh, graphic designers being uh, being snide about writers, the fact is that they're actually some of my best friends out there because they're the ones at the, at the grassroots going, oh, God, you know, I'm... I, I'm going to create this wonderful, beautiful website, and that's going to be filled with lousy copy. That's not going to do the client any good, and it's ultimately not going to do them any good. Well, I this think is... that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, you go ahead. Oh, okay. You have a better <laughs> voice than I do. I, I you know. When... <laughs> I don't know about that. I think I'm just the only female voice. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what I was going to say is, I think, especially with copy, you're right. I think that it's an easy thing to people, you know, if people feel like they can grammatically put a sentence together, they feel like it's passable. But I think, um, you know, when they're faced with an example of something that's really awesome and exactly what you were just talking about, really punchy and includes a call to action, they're like, oh yeah, my copy needs help. So I think it's, I don't know if you found that at all, but just, you know, being able to contrast, you know, well, here's a a page written well, and here's a page just written. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's that's what it comes down to. And I know 
Uh, Pete, as a photographer, uh, will appreciate this, but you know, anybody who's got a camera thinks that they can take a, a, a great photo. And yeah, sure, if you gave them uh, 15 rolls and uh, a couple of days, maybe they'll come out with a couple of good photos. But um, just because somebody's got the tool, um, whether it's uh, a website or a blog or um, a, a brochure or whatever the venue is, just because you can get words on the page doesn't necessarily mean that those are the words that you wanted. So that, I think your point is a really good one, Megan. And I was going to say really quick that I love, you know, as you're talking about, you know, working with graphic designers and stuff, I just think it's one of the beautiful things in marketing is when you get that tension, it's, you, you get such a better product than if you have, say, you know, the graphic designer taking over the entire project and calling, you know, the, the copy just filler and assuming it, you know, and selling it maybe to the client that way or, you know, or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, there's so many elements sometimes to a great, to great marketing execution where you've got experts and you know, and, and say marketing itself, expert in sales, perhaps ex- experts in copywriting, experts in, in graphic design. Ideally, you know, and sometimes I guess you know people have multiple you know things they're experts at. But um, ideally, if you can put those things together and create a little bit of that tension, I, I think sometimes that's when you get the most uh, amazing um, product out the back end. Jake, what, how would you you how do you educate your clients on what they need to expect? from projects that you take on what are what are the measurables that you outline that you should we have with us uh you know i i'm for for our wow um you know that exists on a i'm gonna say that exists on a bell curve um and that's uh you know for the for the vast majority of people that i work with um they they have some experience. They're they're an up and running business, and so they're either tired of what it is that they've been looking at for the past two or three years, um, or they're launching a new um, launching a new uh, a new segment to their business, perhaps or a new product or things like that. And so, um, you know, I, I wish more people would measure honestly. Um, and that's one of the things that, that I wrestle with a lot. I mean, I, I'm all about trying to experiment, uh, experiment with different subject lines, for example, when you're doing an email broadcast, you know, test A against B against C. And a lot of people are reluctant to do that, um, you know, to try two different landing pages for, for an email broadcast or things like that. Um, for me, Why? those are the types of things that I would really love more people to do. Because Why do you think they're reluctant? I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to probably all of us sitting around the virtual roundtable here. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, stepping on the scale in the bathroom after a long time. Being afraid what you're going to see. I've I've always loved that word. I'm sure you use it all the time with with clients or whatever, but the word test. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, because you can make so many assumptions, but, you know, um, without testing, how do you know? Right, right. I think well, I think people are I, I think people I think your your analogy of the the bathroom scale is is a, a good one. I think the other piece is people are uh, you know people have this kind of innate sense of momentum, and unless you know the value of testing through experience, unless you've actually seen the results of testing, mostly you just want to get through it and move to the other side and say you're done and check it off a list. You've done this project. You've you're finished. 
Uh, and now you can move on to the next big thing. So I think there are these two competing, at least in, in my experience, you get clients who know they should test, who they, they know they should be doing these things. But particularly in the if you're a smaller business, if you're you need to rely on some of the momentum and inertia that you're trying to build up in these projects, you just want to get, you know, iterate and move on. Right. Or, or, or sometimes the copy's been developed through a whole lot of, you know, bureaucracy or, or uh, say you're oh, the marketing that's, director. Yeah, that's and, a great point. Yeah, it's been approved. And do you really want to, you know, put something up the flagpole again? You, you know, right, I, I right. assume you kind of deal with that sometimes. Sure. Um, well, the, the example that comes to mind um, and, you know, funny enough, the larger the company, the more risk averse they tend to be. Uh, there was an example, one of my clients that had a really, really cool sweepstakes that they were running. Um, and, uh, you know, basically they were um, giving an opportunity for a, uh, a golf foursome at one of the world's most famous golf courses. And the problem was that they didn't, they, they are, they didn't want to, they didn't want to, use a a sweepstakes mentality for promoting it. And they wanted to use their fairly standard, fairly, um, I don't know how I'd describe their their usual advertising, but it's pretty pretty high class, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I did everything in my power to convince them, hey, you guys, this, of all the times that you want to go out and grab people by the lapel and shake them, this is your this is your time because you want five thousand people to sign up for the sweepstakes, and um, you know they also the, they only ran one advertisement and one newspaper to announce it. I mean they didn't really you know they didn't they didn't do all the things that I kind of had had recommended, and so when it came time to ask what the results were, they weren't good, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I, I talk about a, a blown opportunity because it was an incredibly good offer, and usually that's where you that's where you fall short is that people don't want to make a very good offer because they're afraid they're going to have to give away a lot. Um, here, these guys were giving away a great, great thing, and then pulled the punch. And, and Jake, so, I, you know, it it happens even in big companies that have lots of money to spend, um, and you know, I get paid either way. But I would rather have you go, holy crap, you melted down my server with all of the responses. And, and Jake, I have absolutely worked with um, at least one individual but um, uh, that would say at the end of, you know, like the example you're talking about, say, well, but okay, um, but, but we protected the brand because we had, you know, everything needs to be luxury and we certainly don't want to mess around with that and we don't want to take any chances and everything needs to be very controlled and, and our brand is luxury so – you know, gosh, maybe we could get you know a bigger impact, um, but but I've just I've worked with people that don't want to make that trade off, which I uh, think is very much a blown opportunity. And I'm curious, you know, when you're talking about like emailing or you know maybe I don't know how involved you get with well you, you know web design and maybe you know search optimization and that kind of thing, or especially social media, when you have companies, especially as you mentioned the larger companies that are very brand protective, and feel like you know. Um, the way that they've been speaking or, the, the, you know, the way they've constructed copy over the years and, you know, been approved and, and you know, whatever is, is sort of, you know, the, the stuff that they regurgitate over and over <laughs> again is, uh, 
you know, that's just part of the brand. And so it's really scary to take chances that, that really like the rules change a little bit when you're talking about competing for attention online. I mean, do you, do you deal with that very often that, you know, you, you really are trying to have to maybe work with clients to say, well, you know what, this isn't print, you know, this is online and we've got to work harder to grab attention or we've got to be at least a little less controlling because it's not, we can't be as controlling and, you know, in, yeah, in certain know, avenues online. Yeah. You know, I think, I think people slowly but surely come to that conclusion, but, uh, you know, again, uh, citing this, this example and you, you've, Kind of touched on something that's really uh, I have gotten to the point where I find it humorous. Um, I do a uh, a newsletter for this particular client and extraordinarily successful company, extraordinarily successful. Um, and uh, so I do the newsletter, and there's uh, in the newsletter there's always a letter from the president. And the first time I got that, of course, I edited it, made it tight, made it snappy, all that. And I got slapped down hard. And so now I've gotten to the point that all I do is if there is a misspelled word or, <laughs> a, you know, needs to have a comma or, you know, it's like, who am I to argue with this guy who is a multimillionaire, I am sure, um, many times over. Um, and so it's like, all right, you know, you, what it comes down to is, and I, I wish I could come up with a better uh, a better expression, but you got to choose your battles, and yeah. you got to try to figure out where the places are. You know, you know what? Company newsletter, it doesn't matter. It, nobody's probably reading this article anyway. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> so you know, I I would rather expend my energy, and you know, even though I lost that uh, I lost that particular battle um, with the the sweepstakes example. I do think that the next time that type of thing comes around, that they're going to be more willing to say, hey, you know, maybe we could really punch things up a little bit, make it a little bit more, uh, you know, Ed McMahon, uh, you may be a winner or, or what have you. So can I ask a, um, a question? And it's somewhat self-serving, as Peter knows. Um, but. <laughs> I consider myself a fairly decent writer and you know I'm I'm doing this for the good of our audience as well because I'm sure I'm not the only one that struggles with this problem but I consider myself a decent writer but I've realized I told Peter yesterday I've realized that I can be a little bit long-winded so what I'm trying to do is be more <laughs> concise but it's challenging you know it's challenging and this kind of goes back to my first job out you know after I was in the Peace Corps it was like this woman who worked for me she was constantly like say it in fewer words say it in fewer words and apparently that didn't stick in my head well enough but do you have any you know tips for those of us who are out there because a lot of us do marketing writing even though we would not consider ourselves expert copywriters like yourself but do you have any tips for those of us who are trying to be more concise trying to be um, more engaging with our writing uh, yeah, actually, uh, a while back, I mean, it's probably a couple months back, I blogged um, on precisely that topic, which was, what's the best piece of writing advice that you ever got? And uh, got a bunch of interesting responses from it. And uh, I also posted it on a, a little group that I run on the Wall Street Journal and, and a variety of different places. And between all those different uh, venues, got some interesting responses. Um, Mine was when I was uh, in my first magazine job at Golf Digest, and uh, the uh, 
the editor of the trade magazine. I was working at the, the, the trade magazine at the time, Lou Fishman, great guy, hilarious character. Um, and he would just bloody your copy. I mean, it was, it was just like, there was more red than white when he was done with it. <laughs> and, but he was just a, a superior editor and a great guy. And, and he was just, that was the way he was, uh, you know, just an old fashioned editor's editor. And his best tip that he gave to me was go ahead, write your story, write whatever it is, and then get your pen out and cross out either the first, second, or third graphs or all three. And uh, by, by eliminating your first or second paragraphs, or even a third in some cases, you're probably going to – that's where you want to start. And uh, a lot of times you're just vamping and you're just kind of – like ramping up to the story and backgrounding and yeah exactly it's like okay get to the heart of it um and now i've actually reached the point having been doing this uh for more than 20 years of uh of writing and editing um i've gotten to the point where i do that self or subconsciously Mm -hmm. but there are times when i'll write something and go you know what (laughs) that that first paragraph is a piece of garbage get it out of here so you think just kind of what comes out first is probably just you ramping up into getting ready to talk about what's really important? Is that? Yep. You're, you're, probably, okay. you're probably clearing your throat. You're probably over-explaining. Uh, over um, you know, that, that to me is, is one of the things that, uh, that helps me the most is just to, to get right to it. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, some people... It, you know, some people edit as they write, and that's a slower process in general. Um, and other people are able to just kind of dump stuff out on the page. I tend to be more of the former. I tend to kind of write a little bit more slowly, but but edit myself as I go along. Um, and so, uh, you know, some some people may not have as much of a risk of of doing that. Um, that's a, you know, that's such a great point. Uh, the, uh, have you ever done NaNoWriMo, uh, Jake? Uh, you know, I got 1500 words into it. Wow. <laughs> I told you I'm not a novelist. Well, is it, you what know, is it? 10,000 words? No, it's 50,000 words in oh, 30 50, days. 000. And so it, it ends up being, you know, about 2000 words a day and, uh, you know, for 30 days. And I, I'm like you. I mean, I, I used to be an, actually an editor as I wrote, you know, and, and it was very slow, very slow. And, it, you know, I, I went to college for writing. You know, that's what I have done all my life. And so it was extremely difficult to, to, to break some of those habits. But NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, uh, every November is this opportunity to just vomit content onto paper <laughs> and and i've i did it uh you know seven years running and really? I, I didn't finish a novel until five <laughs> years in that was my first quote win that's hard uh, I, though that oh, is hard it, it, it's it's extremely hard because you come up with all sorts of ways not of reasons not to write or reasons to you know cheat or whatever but the first time i did it i i realized that you know and i, I want to get back to your point jake which is 
um, the one of my writing professors at in in college is a woman named Jackie Burke, and uh, she wrote a fantastic book called Twenty Questions for the Writer. And one of her things uh, that that she always said was, "You haven't really started writing until you finish the first draft." And I know she's not the only one to have said this, but but the real exercise of of the craft of writing uh, it comes in in the work that happens after you've gotten your ideas, your substantive ideas on the paper. And for me, I had to work that muscle so hard through NaNoWriMo, frankly. I thank NaNoWriMo for getting me over that hump to be able now to just write quickly and edit, uh, you know, and edit well afterward. I mean, that's a really powerful skill. And, and I think even for, for marketers, to be able to sit down and write 50,000 words in a month is a huge training ground for how to write business copy quickly and effectively. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So so everybody in November, get yeah, ready. Get ready for Peter's NaNoWriMo. going to suck us all into NaNoWriMo. That's right. Well, and I, I haven't done it since. I have two books uh, finished out of it, and I haven't done it since because now I need to go to NaNoEdmo, National Novel Editing Month. And sad, sadly, and no, it is. I think it's still a real thing. Uh, I think that's March, and and sadly, and it, it, not a little ironically, I haven't edited these two books that I finished. It's a twelve-step plan. Uh, it is a twelve-step plan, right? So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm perfectly. I'm on that train. Uh, what, uh, what do you think about uh, about the iPad, Jake? Well, <laughs> I just, I, you, just had, you just had to go there, Peter. You just I, had to. Of course I did. Of course I did. Are you kidding? <laughs> I think, as you know, Pete, I'm a, I'm a big Mac fan. I'm talking to you on my Mac right now. Uh, we've got a Mac laptop. Uh, we've got, I think, at last count, seven different iPods in the house. <laughs> um, and so Steve Jobs has certainly gotten more than his share of my income over the years. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not usually a first-generation adopter, and so I'm probably going to wait until it uh, let other people work out the bugs, and then I will probably jump at it. Um, I toyed with getting a Kindle, but this, to me, I mean, my my guess would just be that that it will be a better option than a Kindle. Um, my one wish is that uh, somehow Verizon could uh, could partner up with them because amen. I'm sitting here looking at my LG phone and, and giving it the finger. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, so I know that there's interactivity with the iPad that you, you probably have to, to go through AT&T, right? Well, the, the version that was released this weekend is, is Wi-Fi only. So, you oh, know, it is. Okay. Yeah, so there's, there's no AT&T there's no at involved. And, and, you know, it is a spiritedly fast device. I got mine on Saturday and, and it's, uh, it's a. It really is remarkable. I mean, it's a. It's gorgeous, uh, and but but you know I think the uh, for for me uh, you know and, and when this was announced in January I I got calls from two clients uh, you know within a half hour of the press releases hitting the wire that uh, you know they said you know we want to find a way to get our content on the iPad that's going to be where we where we get our training material out there and when you start seeing some of the magazine the early takes on magazines. Uh, that are hitting the iPad and and the three big ones right now we've got uh, GQ, Time Magazine, and um, and uh, PopSci. Uh, you know, Time is more of you know you could get the same thing out of a PDF. Uh, GQ has done some interesting things in terms of maintaining, you know, their overall uh, design elements, uh, but still fairly basic. And Popular Science has completely renovated how they deliver content. It's stunning 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I'm I'm really fascinated in it in, in the iPad in, in terms of what these apps and what these developers are going to be able to do to deliver their content on the uh, on the on new devices because uh, this this harkens the next generation of consuming content. No, the- I, I think you're totally right, and uh, you know that's why I say I'm I, you know, I'm, I'm a second generation adopter, and so I'm just trying to trying to keep. Uh, keep cool for the moment, but that is good to hear that it's uh, that's as slick as I would imagine it to be. Oh, it's beautiful. Can I can I segue that really quickly here, um, Jay? Because I'm I, I don't consider myself a writer. I've done lots of editing um, of of copy, but and and I just got to say to all three of you, I am <laughs> so impressed with people who can write well, and especially you know marketing copy. I think it's um, uh, I, I think it's a fabulous talent and gift to have. So Jake, I'm curious. So the segue here is um, how do you see, or have you seen over the 20 years of your career um, technology uh, change the nature of, of, you know, what you do? Well, um, as I, as I said before, I I started in the magazine business and um, that was back in the days when you would run repro through a waxer and then paste stuff to boards. Sweet. <laughs> and so I don't know if any of you have uh, had experience with that, but uh, it was truly a uh, tedious, <laughs> tedious process. And I think what, uh, what it made you do was you had to be pretty precise about what you did or you would make a lot of people mad and cause a lot of problems down the line. Um, because once something was run out on repro, if there was a mistake, you had to go and you had to physically take out an exacto blade and cut out the offending paragraph or offending word or offending letter or offending comma and physically remove it <laughs> and uh, then either replace it or leave it leave it be or whatever. So... You know, that was that was the technology, and the 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 guys on the on the consumer side were the first ones to get Macintosh computers and to start getting desktop publishing. That was in 1991, I think, that they started adapting to the the desktop thing. Um, so, fast forwarding to um, to what exists today, I mean, it's it's almost unimaginable. How easy it is to make changes, make changes on the fly, um, to uh, to create something that that looks exactly like what you want, um, and uh, so I think that the the technology really, the flexibility that it offers to how people market, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it's always been uh, you know I think it's just the type of people that get into the business that everybody's a last minute person. Um, so that can cause some some mm-hmm. issues as far as uh, you know. Just because you can change something at the last minute doesn't mean that that's a good idea. Interesting. Um, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, the 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 truth still remains that a last minute change is upping your opportunity and percentage of making an error. Um, now, on a website, that's not that big of a deal. If I, uh, you know, if if I make a mistake that is online, chances are it's going to take two seconds to fix, and it's it's not a big deal. 
I still do a lot of print, um, and uh, you know, print print is far from dead, and uh, it's just a question of where where stuff ends up. I mean, it would be weird if you walked into your average um, uh, I don't know to use an example, your average golf shop. If you walked into a golf shop, there weren't brochures and materials to grab and read about various equipment or you know other things like that it'd be kind of weird um and i suppose that uh you know nowadays yeah you could uh you if you've got your uh, iphone with you and you you type in the the uh the upc code or whatever scan it um you know that you can get the information that way but i still think there are a lot of people that are that are uh you know that paper is still a comfort zone yeah, um, we'll be able to get rid of them soon enough. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, I get, and I guess maybe that to 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 follow up on your your question to be more specific about it, I think that that maybe is one of the surprises is that paper paper still is as powerful as it is. Um, people still do direct mail. That's still a very good way to reach people in certain aspects. Um, you know, one of the struggles that I'm dealing with right now with a client is um, trying to send out a, a large broadcast email and not get trapped in spam filters. Yeah, and right. Is a headache to beat all headaches. And I mean, you can't. I got put in a spam filter the other day for sending somebody a a a, a, a note that said thanks in the subject line with an exclamation point. And I think that the exclamation yeah. dumped me into spam. It's an immediate trigger now. And so how do you get away with that or away from that? Um, you know, if you yeah. want to, uh, if you want to say something about, uh, you know, the CEO's message and because it's all caps and therefore screaming and therefore it's spam, that's a really nasty, that's a really nasty thing to get around. And so I, that to me is one of the troublesome aspects of being a marketer in today's day and age is that there are a lot of things that are, um, you know, the, the SEO is the positive aspect of it, where you can get really highly targeted and really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I started up a, a, uh, a freelance advice column called Dear Dr. Freelance. I just launched it the other day. Um, and uh, so I, I want to turn it into kind of like a Dear Abby type thing. And uh, it's my first experience with WordPress. And I am blown away with how much you can do yeah. so with the SEO that, you know, two years ago, you were having to hand code into the HTML. Um, and so that's kind of the, the flip side of it is that, you know, you've got these incredible tools like SEO that make it much easier to target people. And then the, the other part of it is that there are all sorts of uh, doors that you get slammed in your face and you don't even know it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and how, do you, how do you reach all of the people all the time when most people don't even know what the heck you mean when you say what whitelist our address, most people right. don't. I'm going to say 90% of the population, maybe 95, doesn't know what that means and wouldn't know how to do it if you sat next to them and took their mouse. You know, you have you you're at the risk of opening a huge can of worms. This is exactly the kind of uh, conversation we need to have in a part two. I think we're winding up our time here, but you, I mean, this this transition helping to educate, you know, the masses in to, you know, the consumption of media digitally uh, is, is an important one. And I think it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear that you are, you are thinking about this at such a level. 
Um, where uh, can you give us just to wrap up a couple of resources you might recommend uh, for uh, you know for marketers who want to learn more about you know how to create uh, how to write well, how to edit well, and how to work with uh, and hire uh, copywriters. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, I, I describe myself as kind of an omnivore. And so, I mean, I, I literally have RSS feeds of pretty much every freelance uh, and or writing blog out there. Um, and uh, so, I mean, uh, at the risk of dodging your question, I, I think that, um, you know, if you if you go to some of the, the usual culprits and, and uh, you know, copy blogger, um, the freelance zone, um, things like that, that, that those are pretty good places to start. And then you can kind of spider web your way out from there. Um, but the other thing that, that I find useful, um, even though I'm not always in, um, in these different elements, I mean, I read a lot of advertising blogs. Um, like, I don't know if you're familiar with the ad contrarian, he's kind of a, uh, curmudgeonly guy who, uh, who, uh, I'm going to just say he, he rips on a lot of, uh, sort of trendy communications types. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, just to get the, the other side of that. Um, I like, uh, I like some photography blogs, um, like, uh, uh, a photo editor, um, waiting on a moment. Um, you know, there are a couple of different, uh, couple different photographers that have some incredibly interesting takes that are directly applicable to the business of, of being a writer. Um, and so, you know, those are, uh, I just, I, I add, I probably add a new RSS every day. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I can, unfortunately I can get kind of waylaid by, because of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, as far as making yourself a better writer, I think part of it, and you know, I'm not going to recommend that everybody try to do NaNoWriMo because I'd, I'd be a, a hypocrite <laughs> because I wasn't able to struggle through. I, I did one. I was one and done. Um, but the, uh, you know, just the act of writing, whether you're blogging just for yourself, um, that's kind of a good way to, to work some things out in your own, uh, in your own way. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know what, if you're not a great writer, it, it doesn't make you a bad person. I am a terrible graphic designer. I recognize that I have no talent whatsoever. I can recognize if a page is well-designed and I can say, oh, okay, yeah, I get why you did that, but I couldn't design a page to save my life. So I think, um, you know, recognizing where your limits are and, and being okay with, uh, where your talents lie is okay. I mean, yes, everybody should be a more skilled writer and it helps even if you're writing better emails. Um, you know, to, uh, to, I think Megan's point earlier, a two sentence email is better than a five sentence email. And that's just the way it is because most people are not going to read. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, Shorter is better. Um, here's your here's your irony. Here's your yin and yang. Um, is that shorter is better, but the more you write, the better you get at writing short. 
<laughs> did you did you follow my zen? I did. That oh, was I was going to say that is very zen. It's Twitter <laughs> it's Twitter zen. Is what that is. <laughs> you know, I to your point, I I uh, I I think Twitter actually has taught me a lot about uh, about the importance of brevity in communicating. Sure. Uh at 140 characters, you learn a lot about uh you know, about how to get your point across and and what punctuation and vowels you can skip and still mean something. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, well, Jake, I, I'm telling you, my friend, you are my hero for jumping in and you're and sharing your, you know, decades of wisdom on on uh, working in this craft. And I hope you will uh, you will come join us again sometime and finish this conversation. I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. Oh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and yeah, I think in in some ways you can only scrape the surface in a half hour. And uh, you know, there's. Uh, there's a million different ways to do it, and you got to do do it in ways that make you happy, and and hopefully make other people happy. Absolutely. Well, where can people find you, uh, Jake Poignier? Well, uh, a couple different places. My uh, my web portfolio site is boomvangcreative.com. That's boomvang with a V, as in Victor. Um, not the German W. <laughs> not the, yeah. Not, not boomvang. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the freelance advice column that I just started up is dear doctor freelance, and that's D E A R D R freelance.com. And so that's, uh, that's kind of in beta right now, but, uh, that's where I've been playing around with WordPress and, and trying to figure things out. So if people have questions about freelancing, um, I, uh, I, I answer them. So that's, uh, that's that. And then, uh, my, my regular blog is jakepoignet.blogspot.com. And that's J A K E P O I N I E R. Fantastic. Jake Poignet. Thanks so much for joining us so on much, the Jake. Naked Marketers. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I love Jake Poignier. I've known Jake for a long time, and I'm so glad that he was willing to step in and talk to us a little bit. I think he's, you know, in terms of just having somebody who's doing the work every day, uh, sharing some of his uh, thoughts and wisdom is is uh, very powerful. So I hope you, uh, listeners got a lot out of that. I did. That was great. Yeah, I did. I mean, that was, yeah, that, that's, that's the fun thing, I think, about doing this podcast is we bring these guests on, and um, I just get excited you know, to, to show up and do the show because, uh, there, there's so much to learn. It's not like, you know, it's not like, uh, we're, we're I mean, we're just bringing in people uh, at least have to date. And I know again, we've got uh, some great people coming up that, um, uh, have areas of expertise that, uh, really are illuminating. Um, so, you know, if you, if you have any interest in marketing or promoting your business or just promoting yourself or, um, you know, what, whatever your, your background is, uh, I think this stuff just, it brings a brings a whole lot, um, at least to me, doing the podcast. So, uh, I hope a lot of people are getting a lot out of it. And we live to serve Dane. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of people do. Well, <laughs> you know, not you not enough people. Here. Never enough people, but a lot of people. In my um, own mind, that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have tools and i i have tools just a couple yeah i know but i'm excited about this because it's as low tech as i've ever gotten i can't believe i'm even i can't I'm, believe you're putting a book on the tools section. i know and let me tell you this i actually am uh, looking for the books on both kindle and and, and ibooks to I'm see sure where they are because i want to replace them so i can read them anytime two books on writing given the the uh, tone of our the tone and topic of our interview today that have that really helped me in my formative years as a as a budding young writer and journalist, uh, 
The first one is Writing Down the Bones, Freeing the Writer Within by Natalie Goldberg. This is an incredible book. And Natalie Goldberg is absolutely fabulous and, and has some, some really fantastic thoughts and, on, and inspiration on how to write, how to write fluidly and effectively, how to communicate quickly. And then uh, William Zinzer. Uh, the book is called On Writing Well. This thing has been in publication for ever. Um, and, and it's uh, much more of a, of a, um, a fantastic uh, kind of case-based uh, uh, case book where he's, he's actually uh, dissecting so many wonderful examples and, uh, um, of, of good and terrible writing and, and uh, helping you analyze what, what works and what doesn't. Both of these books are, are, um, are indispensable. And if you are a writer or you're a marketer learning to write um, and, and you want to have the indispensable books of inspiration and tools uh, on your desk, these are the two. William Zinzer on Writing Well and Writing Down the Bones from Natalie Goldberg, and we'll link to those in the show notes. Thank you, Peter. I'll pick uh, those up. Yeah, wow, you're really edifying, terrific. Peter. I, I, you know what? Did I say I look forward to these podcasts because they're so edifying for me? <laughs> it's really just Peter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, I get, I get to listen to Peter for an hour. Oh, Sweet. That's right. Please. That's right. Please. <laughs> it's all about Peter. I'm, I'm blushing. Awesome. Who's I next? don't have anything to add. Dane? Sorry to, sorry to be the loser. I'm, you know what? During this podcast, I got this great email um, that says, that <laughs> Nothing says like I, really preparing in advance. <laughs> you will like to read the. It, it's this woman who's a, a U.S. citizen. She's 48 years old, uh, and she won the lottery in the United Kingdom, but she wasn't able to get all of her money if I sent her some. <laughs> How does this work? How does this yeah. work? Parse that, and let's follow through with it and see what we you can get out of it next week. You're to receive their payments, and I saw your name and email address as one of the beneficiaries. Oh, my gosh. I showed up as a beneficiary. <laughs> wow. Oh, email is just pays off. Email is This that. is another example of why mass email marketing is such a boon to, to uh, lead generation. Well, and I think more importantly, now we know that Dane's not actually paying attention when we're going <laughs> <laughs> to think there's I couldn't. No, I couldn't. Look, I get emails that the subject says, you will love to read this, you know. You, re- you, you damn are, well better right, love I to read it. I believe that. So <laughs> I just had to check and see what it was. <laughs> Guys, look what I would have missed out. That's right. Well, oh, we're glad I don't did. have any time to lose on this one. I probably should get rolling real fast. Yeah, you should. I, I am listed my name and email as a beneficiary. You should take this one and run with it. And and speaking of, in case future, uh, in case future um, uh, benefactors would like to get a hold of you, where would they find you, Dane? They can find me at strike10media.com. That's strike10, one zero is 10. Uh, or uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I think I put a tweet up a couple of days ago. Oh, um, you did? Just one? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Alta great. Dane on Twitter. Alta Dane on Twitter. So all of our Nigerian listeners, yeah. that's where you can you can find so Dane. Solicit your funds. If you want to find me, exactly. That's right. And Megan, where can we find you? I am at Megan Strand on Twitter, or my website is Encouraged with an I N Encouraged, and it is being updated as we speak. Right, Peter? Fantastic. Yes, it is. As we speak, as in you're not paying attention either. What? <laughs> I- 
I am uh, I am Pete Wright on Twitter, and uh, you can find me at fifthandmain.com. You can also find uh, uh, links to all of our past episodes on thenakedmarketers.com. And from there, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can grab the RSS feed. You can uh, uh, you can jump over to our Facebook fan page, any, pretty much any place you want to follow us. Uh, oh, and we actually finally set up a Twitter feed for the show, which is simply Naked Markets. And um, and so if you want to follow just the show, you'll get all the updates on the website and, and um, uh, episode links there. So unless we have anything else, which I don't think we do, uh, on behalf of Dane and Megan, I am I'll, I'll read more email. You have, well, we could do that. We'll do that on the, <laughs> on the way out. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for downloading and listening, everybody. Uh, until next week, this has been The Naked Marketers. Mm-hmm.